This episode of Contracting Conversations is brought to you by BSCAI Member Advisory. Find an industry mentor or join a peer group to take your growth and development as a business owner to the next level. To learn more about our member advisory programs and to apply for this free resource, visit bscai.org slash member advisory. Welcome to Contracting Conversations, a podcast series from BSCAI. Through a series of interviews with entrepreneurs, business owners, and executives, this podcast aims to provide insights, trends, and tactics to support the growth and development of business owners serving the contract cleaning and facility maintenance industry. Welcome to Contracting Conversations, the official podcast of BSCAI. I am your host, Kate Jacobson. On today's episode, we have Jim Knight, a keynote speaker at Contracting Success Plus, the first ever virtual conference for BSCAI. A former executive at Hard Rock International, Jim is an author and speaker known for his unique take on customer service and culture. Support for Contracting Conversations comes from our premier partners, 3M, Diversi, and Karcher. Learn more about our partners and their category-leading solutions for contractors at bscai.org partners. First of all, thank you so much for joining us today. We're really excited to have you. Uh, you are one of our keynote speakers at our Contracting Success Plus. This is our first virtual conference. Yes. yes, very excited about that. Yes, it's going to be a, whole, it's going to be a good time. Um, and so I just wanted to chat with you a little bit to get people excited about CS Plus and what they can expect. And so my first question for you is, um, your session is all about creating a differentiated experience. And nothing says different than, you know, a virtual um, meeting. But from your oh, yeah. perspective, what can leaders do um, that makes something different from the norm? Yeah, I think uh, when you start to think about uh, business before the COVID lockdown, but certainly afterwards, you know, you're really going to have to focus on making sure that the consumer, the customer, the guest, whatever the end user is called, that they feel like they were treated special. And, you know, I'm probably I'm one of these people where I'm just on the hunt for people to do something unique and different with me. I'm an experiential starved consumer. And when I don't get that, it really blows my mind that people are not going above and beyond, particularly these days, because it's the one thing that probably makes you different than everybody else. I bet you you've got a lot of people in the association and the membership who have a like business. They've got like product. You know, the, the, the stuff that they sell probably isn't that different, right? It's, it's really how you made me feel from an emotional standpoint. And, and it transcends the transactional. You've got stuff. I got money. Let's just do a deal here. I think anybody could do that, which, by the way, is why online sales is so big these days because they don't want to have to deal with somebody who really doesn't care that much about them. So, I think from a big, huge 30,000 foot macro approach, I think you've got to get 
your your customers, your guests, your end users to fall madly in love with you. And the only way you're going to do that is to absolutely rock in their world from a service standpoint. So I start with that. Yeah. You know, that's probably the most important. And, you know, it's funny because a lot of our members are people who have been generationally in, in these businesses, you know, either right. their families started the business that they work at currently, or their dad or their mom or their uncle or whoever did this type of work and it kind of led them to do this type of work. And so we see a lot of people go, well, this is the way we've always done it. Exactly. While it's worked for, you know, many years, as you said, we are in really different times than even 10 years ago. So what does that look like from the person that says, you know, this is how we've always done it. What's the first step they have to take to get out of their own head to say, what do I need to be and what do I need to do to make my customer feel that sense of differential? Yeah, you're going to have to absolutely be open-minded and humble enough to say, one, I don't have all the answers. I have been doing it the same way for so long. But if I could listen a little bit more, if I could uh, secure as much feedback as I possibly can. And by the way, this is not easy for people if, to your point, Kate, that people just aren't, you know, they're, they're not ingrained. It's not part of their DNA. It's not how they grew up or it's not how they've been in the business for 10, 15, 20 years. So, I know that that's tough because I really do believe that everything is learned behavior. And if you can't get out of your own head, you can't get out of your own way, it's going to be a tough slog uphill. Having said that, I do think people can, you know, eventually take a step back and go, I'm going to study. I'm going to learn my work ethic from a, from a pure knowledge standpoint, what I can gain from other people is going to be so much better than perhaps what it used to be in the past. So I guess this humility of, I really want to learn. I really want to grow the business. I want to grow my own personal development, whatever it might be. I've got to be humble enough to say, geez, I bet you I could, I could, you know, throw a few more arrows in my quiver because I don't have all the answers. And oh my gosh, I might actually have my mind changed if I had a discussion with someone and they see things differently than I do. So, right. you know, to your question, I think if somebody is looking at their service mentality, they've been doing this for a long time they're going to have to absolutely either surround themselves with people who are okay with, with, you know, pushing back, thinking differently, thinking way outside the box, perhaps. And, and you as a leader, perhaps being okay with uh, someone challenging the status quo and, and maybe even whispering in your ear. And I'll give you a good example. When I left hard rock and I was there for 21 years, I, I thought when I went off to do exactly what I'm doing now, that most of my speaking engagements would be in hospitality. And in fact, it's pretty much down in the middle of the plate of companies that don't really change a lot from an industry standpoint, real estate, banking, insurance, yeah. you know, senior assisted living, funeral directors are my number one clients. And the reason I bring that up is to your point, that is pretty incestuous. Like people have been in that business and it's just sort of handed down to the son and their son and their son and or daughter or whatever. And now you're starting to see that kids of people who run funeral homes in this example don't necessarily want to do that anymore. And right. so the parents got to start thinking, uh-oh, it's not an easy swap to the next generation with my name on it. I got to go out there and find some people who want to truly be in this business and can expand it and perpetuate it for the future. So I think every organization and probably every industry gets to a point where they've got to have an inflection point and think differently. And I'm hanging my hat on the people, on the humans, on the service delivery. You get that right, 
now you're going to produce some Herculean results. Get out of the way because now it doesn't matter if the guy next door or girl next door is selling the same thing I do. They're never going to, they're never going to catch up with me because I'm going to crush it from a service standpoint. Exactly. And, I, and that's not a problem that's been in, in the building service contractor community is um, how do we modernize this industry so we have people like millennials and Gen Z coming in and wanting to be a part of this and then also kind of at the same time trying to say how do we innovate and how do we get out of our own way to innovate. I think that's a huge problem for people. It is. And you know what? You use the word modernize. And it's funny. I bet you the first thing people think about is technology and how do we make the business where it's easier and whether it's robotics and AI and technology that's coming down the road. I don't think that at all. To your exact point, it is always going to be about the people. And I think, you know, anybody that's a part of BSCAI probably already realized that, that the greatest thing that they have in their arsenal, you know, their greatest um, probably tool that they can utilize is going to be the humans, right? It's going to be the talent. So I believe in thinking about 3C team members that, you know, the, the company, the brand is only going to be as good as the care and the attention that we give to ensure that everybody has these three C's, competence, character, and now I really do focus a lot on culture fit. I think if you get people that can do that, now you got a rock star on your hand, right? And, and by the way, you want as many of those rock stars as possible. So I think you know, maybe this is going back to your earlier question, what's the first you can, you can do? You've got to think about who can I bring on the team who can do the stuff that I need them to do. And sometimes, you know, they might not have done it on their own, and that's where leadership comes in. But if I surround myself with rock stars, once again, I'm going to produce some world-beating results versus just, you know, people showing up and making the donuts and we're doing the same thing and people get paid. And, you know, that, that, that's how businesses get stuck in mediocrity. You, you want to go above and beyond that. Right. I think a big thing that, you know, we talk a lot about on this podcast in at BSCAI in general is this idea of culture and what does that mean? It's kind of an amorphous term, um, but if you have a good company culture that you really does shine through to the customer, that they see, oh, wow, you really respect your employees, you really care about something, whatever that thing is, um, and it makes people want to hire you that makes people want to be a part of what you have yeah um, but like I said it can be kind of amorphous it can be like I don't know what culture means if I'm some old school person who's been in the business forever I'm like okay well we have a culture I think <laughs> what are some <laughs> of the they're like I, I think we have culture um what are what's like one thing I can do if I'm a leader and I'm like okay I want to build a culture I want to change I want to be the difference do I make a bullet point list of things that are important to me? Do I go sit the employees down and ask, what do you guys care about? Where do I, where do I go from there? Well, a million dollar question for sure. Uh, you know, it's funny that the session that I'm going to wind up doing uh, when we get to CS plus is going to be around service. So, you know, we decided to talk specifically about that, but culture is really my bread and butter. You know, that, that's the name of my book. I probably added the 75, 80 engagements that I do a year, some virtually, some in person, I would say the majority are around my culture that rocks session. And it's because of this. I mean, your exact question is around first and foremost, it's a pretty nebulous, esoteric concept, right? You can't put your hand on culture. You know when you're in a great environment, when it's awesome or if it's in the ditch. I mean, you can tell right away, but sometimes it's tough for people because it's quite fuzzy in a lot of ways. 
So even when I'm doing my sessions around that, if I'm standing in front of a thousand people in a keynote, I still will come out of the gate swinging to at least explain what the heck culture is. So th this is a, in a nutshell how I define it. I think it is absolutely about the present versus the past. And I say it this way. I, I think a lot of companies, a lot of business leaders actually get stuck in heritage. You know, they think we have a great story. We have a great history. And it's true, people do love nostalgia, especially the good old days. But, you know, if I'm a brand new employee, if I'm brand new to the team, I, you know, I care a whole heck of a lot more about what's happening today in the future. I mean, I look back, I tip my hat to the, the past and the heritage. But unless you're the president, unless you're the founder, unless you've been doing this for 40 years, you know, you, you care a whole heck of a lot more about heritage than I do. I care about the here and now. So, my, my ultimate definition at its core, I really do believe that the culture of a business is really just a collection of individuals. And these individuals have some unique behaviors. And some of those behaviors are, you know, they're awesome. And some of them not so much. But whoever's in the business at that time, when you gather those people together, that is the company. And so if you got a weak link on there, you know, it's the old adage, right? The weak link actually is the brand that represents your company. And unfortunately, if you have a couple of those, it's going to make it a little bit harder for you to get to the place that you want, whatever those results are. And the problem with this is, this, this is the ultimate problem when it comes to company culture. As people join or lead the band, the culture changes, right. like immediately. If it's, if it's the new girl or guy and they've only been there a month or two, they still made a dent in the culture, probably negatively if they were there that short period of time. <laughs> but if I'm, the, if I'm the person who started the thing, if I'm the CEO of the company and I leave and I've been there 20, 30 years, you know, it's, it's broad, sweeping impact and influence. It's going to be a huge hit in the culture. And the guy or girl that takes up for me is going to change things the way that they want to do it. So whenever someone runs up to me, even when I worked at an awesome company like Hard Rock, it was fuzzy for even some of them. Somebody would sometimes run up to me and go, oh, it's not the way that it used to be. No duh, sister, you know why? People have been coming and going the whole time. If you could have held on to the exact people that you started with, because you put so much more time, energy, effort, rigor, money, whatever it is, you'd have the exact culture that you want. I don't care how long you know down the road you go, but it doesn't work like that. People are constantly coming and going. So, so my first sort of thought around culture is, if you focus once again on human behaviors, I know you hear a recurring theme in my answers here, <laughs> but it's the truth because... Yes, you could do the tactical things that you mentioned. If I'm a leader and go, geez, if I'm going to change the culture, by the way, I think anybody can do that. You know, the, the leaders certainly can make it happen quicker. Maybe they have, you know, more resources or, or whatever. But, you know, if people are looking to create massive culture change, I do believe that a single person can start a cultural revolution, you know, as long as they've got some good ideas and, and they can really push those things. So, yeah, they could sit down and make the list. They can certainly anticipate and communicate and defend the change that they want to do. They can certainly think, you know, I want to make our processes and our communication better, and I want to look for opportunities to reward and recognize and communicate and all of those things. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm a yes and do it all. But at its core, if you just get the right people that are going to fit the brand, who have that competence and character and culture fit, you're going to be unstoppable. And so that's, you know, I start with trying to define what culture is because some people will tell you it's a lot of things and they'll list it off. And I'm probably in the, 
everything is culture camp. I'll agree with them. But at its core, it's about human behaviors. You get the right ones, you're going to get the right culture. And, you know, that kind of rolls into my next question. Your, your session is Service That Rocks, and it's about, you know, taking what you do as a company and translating that to how you treat your customers and creating yeah. this experience for customers. I love, I love when you call it experience for customers because, you know, we are business is very transactional. Yeah. Um, however, at its core, cleaning and sanitation and janitorial work is if you go above and beyond and people really see that it, it becomes not a transaction. It immediately becomes an experience. It does. It, it's this. Uh, go ahead. Oh, no, no. Go, you go ahead. Jump right in. <laughs> Jump well, right I'm, in. I'm just agreeing with you. I, I think people today crave differentiation. I think they are absolutely looking for it. And I think there are probably some people that will just be super happy if you just do exactly what I ask and that's enough. But I think the majority of the people, not just in the U.S., I think this is a global thing. They, they want that you know, I guess the ratio of what I'm going to be spending money and I get just a little bit more. I go, somebody has gone a little bit above and beyond. You don't have to go crazy. You don't have to surprise and delight me with, you know, going overboard and grandiose every single time. It can be small and quiet and subtle and cool and maybe a little bit quicker, a little bit more attention to detail, whatever it is. But I think if you deliver something that's personalized and more than what people are paying, you're going to win. And I, I use a lot of language and I will use a lot of examples and case studies and some analogies. I talk about being on the first time you were ever on a first date or what it was like to be on your first day of work. You know, I think about the, the sense of urgency and attention to detail and, and sense of care and eye contact and all of these things. I know it's tough when you're doing the same thing over and over and over, but there are people that know that if they can just bring a little bit of a pep in their step, if they just do a little bit more each time they're around somebody or in service of the customer, even if they're working in the dark of night at the, at, you know, in a building somewhere, they're going to win. They will absolutely win. So I think this, this idea of personalized, customized, individualized attention, you will develop an emotional attachment that the business, the brand, the company that they're working for will not be able to even think about not having them in their life, right? They can't fathom them going somewhere else. And, you know, I just think about all these different things that I'll use as an analogy when we're in the session. I'm going to spend time talking about it. I'm going to use some band and brand analogies and some music orientation. I love to do that because I really do believe that behaviors can't be canned or faked. It can't be prepackaged and programmed in the middle of the road. You know, we want people that are just purely obsessed about whoever the customer is. And when you do that, I just think you're in the memory-making business. I think you create memory so much that people become raving fans that they're completely gaga for you. You know, not, not literally, but figuratively, <laughs> like they're, they're thinking about you as an individual and, and they, again, fall madly in love with you and they just can't fathom not having you as as some part of their business. We, you know, there, there are some people that will always think of it being transactional. I get that. I just think the ones that are going to go above and beyond and create emotional attachments, they're the ones that are not going to have a problem thinking about finding another job or or not getting the, the next contract or whatever it is. They'll never have that issue. And all, all it took was just a little bit of some thought each day saying, I'm bringing it today. I am bringing the thunder. 
and it might be over the top and, and crazy, or it's going to be just enough and subtle today because, you know, I've got bad days too, but they're never going to, I'm never going to let them see me sweat. I'm going to absolutely make them just fall in love with me. I like that you said that, that, you know, sometimes it doesn't take a lot. It can be a little, a little thing that done consistently or done at the right time can really underscore, wow, these people care about me. I know that with COVID that's been huge for the cleaning industry because we've had so many, obviously cleaning and sanitizing is number one right now. Yeah. Understanding that if you do go above and beyond, especially during times of crisis like this, that your customers will remember that. And five years from now, when business is back and everything's great, you know, if you treated them right when they needed you, they're going to go, you know what, I, I don't mind that maybe they're raising their prices or I don't mind that maybe, you know, some things may have to change. It's that we, they were there for us. So we're going to be there for them. That's right. Yeah, I was listening to uh, Mark Cuban, um, probably know him on Shark Tank, but also yeah. the owner of the Dallas Mavericks. Um, you know, he's he's been very vocal about a lot of things that have been going on because of COVID. And uh, there, there's one statement that always keeps coming up I see on Twitter. He says, listen, the way that you treat not only your employees, but also your customers today, the way that you treat them and act and behave with regards to their safety is actually going to make a difference decades from now. You, you will absolutely get people to remember you versus whoever your competitor is because of how you're treating them right now. And, you know, safety and cleaning and sanitizing falls all into that. So I, I do think the ones that are probably just going a little bit farther. I mean, I, I, was, in a, uh, I was in an ice cream store the other day, and not only did they have the, the plexi shields up between the customer and the people that were scooping ice cream, but the people had on their mask and they had a plastic face shield over it. Wow. It was like three layers. I'm like, is this over the top? But I'm standing in a line of 20 people waiting to get ice cream. And I'm like, I think people appreciate that. And where maybe, you know, particularly in this country, a lot of people maybe scoffed at the idea of wearing masks and what did that feel like? And it was, it just wasn't comfortable. Now they realize how critical it is. And now you start to, see so many businesses, particularly when I go out to eat, drink, shop, stay, play, wherever I'm going to go, the ones that have, you know, sanitation solution, the ones that have stuff marked out where you can stay with, with uh, six feet apart with social distancing, you know, even those small little things are going to be around for a while. And I think people appreciate the ones that jumped on board with that and are not scared to say, we care about your safety. Right. Versus just the profit. So I don't know if you had a question there, but I'm agreeing with you. I, <laughs> I, I absolutely believe uh, they're, they're going to make a, a difference and people are going to remember that decades from now. Yeah. Um, and that kind of makes me think of something else too, uh, regarding, you know, like the little things uh, you, you had said, you know, you people, when they have in a physical space, like an ice cream store, they have the physical, um, the visual aspects of yep. protecting you. What can leaders who are maybe more, you know, silent, janitorial staff typically works at night, the people in the buildings aren't there, what can, should they be promoting, like, hey, these are our new systems we're doing, here's what we're going to be doing to ensure, is that, should the business be, like, over-promoting those types of things to their, to their customers, let them know what they're trying to change or what they're doing better? Uh 
I think they should. Um, you know, I, I haven't heard any pushback from anybody who hasn't. Maybe somebody's gone overboard. But in my mind, you know, I get an email almost every day from some company, some service that I use. I, I don't care what it is. Insurance, banking, it could be my local grocery store. They've all put out information saying, just so you know, here's what we're doing. I, I would much rather a leader, a business over communicate than not. You know, I just wouldn't assume. I think there are some people who need to hear that, especially once again, because you got options. I mean, I, I skip a couple convenience stores on my way to go get gas because I know one that goes above and beyond from a cleaning and safety and sanitation standpoint than the others. Right. That, that means something to me. Now, I'm not sure all consumers think like that, but I do think in today's day and age, you, you in my mind, I think you've got to go above and beyond. You've got to over-communicate versus just assuming. So I wouldn't have a problem with that. I think there might be some cool stuff. I hadn't really sat down and thought about specifically somebody working on their own, not having any communication. But, you know, I've, I've sort of um, used some examples even in my book around, let's say, automotive repair. And this might make some good connections here. Right. I hope there's some synapses firing off. I think about the experience when you got to go get your car fixed. That's not the best. You know, and you're probably sitting in the waiting area. And what does that waiting area look like? I see what most of these places are. And I just think, man, just a few small little changes would make this a pleasurable experience. But one thing for sure, I don't care if you're coming in for, you know, a quick and easy oil change or you're having massive transmission. And I'm thinking of, let's say, somebody who's doing some janitorial work at night for an office building. They're never going to see the ultimate customer. Here's what they could do, the same thing. Why couldn't it be so cool that when you get back in your car, there's a small, tiny, handwritten note sitting there on the passenger side? What if somebody were to actually leave, like you sort of used to see in the hotels, I guess some of them still do it and say the room was cleaned by so-and-so, but it could be something that would be small, handwritten, or just a little bit of note to say, I've completely sanitized this space. I think people would remember that. I think they would actually tip their hat to that saying, that's pretty cool. That's pretty personalized. You know, those types of things, if, if the group or the brand sat around and thought, we don't have to go crazy, but what are maybe two, three, four things that we could do to just let people know, hey, we, we, we got your back. You know, that, I think that would be pretty, pretty interesting. I love that idea. I think it's really important to remember that I think sometimes when we are business owners or leaders, we overcomplicate what the customer really wants when really thinking, okay, like you said, small things go really far and you know, we should really kind of put ourselves in the customer's shoes is what, what would we enjoy from a service? What would we like as a consumer? Exactly. Um, instead of kind of being like, oh, we got to overcomplicate this whole experience. It's very simple. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, as a, you know, you've, you've worked in uh, the, the hard rock, you kind of, I love all of your rock star analogies. I mean, I, <laughs> especially because cleaning, no offense to all the BSCI listeners out there. It's not a very glamorous, um, what <laughs> I know it's crazy. It shocks me every day. Uh, it's not a very glamorous industry, but it's a very important one. Um, why, why do you think that leaders, especially in these types of industries need to kind of start embracing their inner rock star when it comes to like putting on a, a show and, and being able to um, really give people experiences from that perspective. Yeah, I mean, you're already using the, the language, the whole reason why I do it. I, I think in, in people's heart of hearts, you know, they want to be, 
they want to be at the absolute top of the list, right? They want to top the charts, if you want to use that analogy. I think everybody wants an iconic rock star company to work for, and they want rock star leaders. They want people who make them feel great and will develop them. And, you know, they've already, they've already taken the time and the energy to spend money and bring them on board and put them in a role where they've got some autonomy, you know, for the most part, particularly in this industry. And I think the ones that then go out of their way to recognize them, prop them up, love on them, throw their arm around them, recognize the fact that they bring something different to the table and they can make things better if they want to, also to reward them. You know, you ultimately do these things. And if I was a team member, I, I want to work for somebody like that. And then you get a whole bunch of those people. And now I've got a brand, I've got a company, I've got an organization that makes it bigger than just punching the time clock. And so there's something interesting for me about music and rock and roll in general. I think that when you start to use language like, you know, being a rock star, I think people have that idea that you're just, you're admired. People, you know, want to spend more time with you versus, again, just going through the motions. Nobody wants to hang out with a lip syncer, right? They, <laughs> people that are just flapping their gums and they're faking it and, and ultimately they'll be discovered. They always are. They'll always be unmasked. But if you are awesome from a, you know, your, your work ethic and you're just, you're a fantastic top talent person, you can always get a job somewhere else. You know, I think in terms of great rock stars can always get another gig. So, you know, there's something compelling about using a music orientation in my sessions. Again, I use a lot of band and brand analogies because I think people can think back what what was it like to hear that song on the radio for the first time? What would my playlist be like? What would it be like if I was a rock star? Hey, I am a rock star. You know, I am delivering a show for the customers every single time. Maybe I'm behind the scenes. Some of the people that are listening here, maybe they think, geez, I'm in a support role. But, you know, rock stars need roadies as well. And I think all of these things that make sense. And again, you can easily go too far. And I do think there's a fine line between, I guess, being cool and being themey. I do not want to be a, a theme and a joke. And, you know, you, you could go too far in using it. But I think when it's done in the spirit of being very authentic, right. people love what music does for others. And I think, you know, people in general are just a fan of, of music and, and maybe not rock and roll. Rock and roll is hard word to use now because as we start to get into the Gen Z group, you know, what I thought was cool just by default probably isn't cool to them now. <laughs> you know, I could start rattling off some bands and I bet you some of them they've never even heard of before. So instead of talking about U2 and The Who and The Rolling Stones and The Beatles, I got to start talking about, you know, Dua Lipa and Lizzo and Ariana Grande and whoever else or else it doesn't mean anything to them. So, but, but I still think music in general is a, is a cool thing to use. And I think when leaders really look at that, that sort of analogy, it allows them to have some common language and to, to sort of throw out a concept, as, as any good storytellers will do. When you do that, now you've got something that you can wrap your arms around and you can help whatever push and perpetuate your message out versus just, again, the same type of training that's, that's out there. I could teach the technical, tactical stuff easily, but... If you did it in the same vein that it's always been done, it's going to be quite boring. And I just think in a world where, you know, it's middle of the road and mediocrity and vanilla ice cream, people need a little bit of chocolate in their life. They need different. They need some type of differentiation for them to grasp onto the concept of the communication. So, 
you know, music, music is, uh, that's the weapon of choice for me. I love it. I, it's, I also love that you kind of live what you preach. You know, you are telling others, hey, you need to innovate and you need to kind of be authentic and creative and find your own voice to make these unique experiences for your customers. And, and you at the same time are doing that. So no, I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying, you know, and, uh, you know, obviously I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea. You know, you, you trot me out there with the spiky hair and the blue jeans and I'm, you know, I'm going to bring the thunder. I am loud and aggressive and fast and I'm trying to cram as much awesome content as I possibly can in whatever time I have available because, you know, I want to be a value add. I want someone to be able to push back from the table or, or leave a conference room or even something virtually and go, that was awesome. That was a great use of my time. If I'm just spitting out a bunch of information, you know, I, I could have sent the PowerPoint in advance. You don't need me. So, again, this is sort of the, you know, for me, it's a little bit of the rock star. You know, I'm, I do have a music degree. I was a public middle school teacher for six years. And, of course, I worked in an awesome brand like Hard Rock for two decades. But as I get further and further away from all of that, and now I'm out there just speaking, you know, doing a little bit of writing in my podcast, you know, I have to actually do some work. I have to study brands a little bit more. I have to really look and see what people are attracted to do, to do and try and move at the pace of what society's culture is. But I still think music in general is going to be a great resonator for most. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm appreciative that you say that. I, I probably, I hope I don't, um, you know, get to a point that I go, uh-oh, now I'm out of touch and I'm out of step. I try and live a fun rock star life, but you know, I'm open-minded too. I mean, I, I constantly change and I have a couple people around me that are constantly whispering in my ear and I want them to do that to say, you know what, we ought to do it differently. And I disagree with you on this. I need people like that in my life. And I think leaders that will get further and, and not just promoted, but I think actually can learn and get to a point that they can run their own thing or start their own company or whatever it is. They're the ones that are, again, have that spirit of humility and are willing to think about things differently. And I think, you know, just to bring it full circle, when it comes to service, that's what brands are going to have to do. Everybody inside the BSEAI group are going to have to start thinking, I can't just compete and meet the same thing that everybody else is doing. I'm going to have to go above and beyond. What is it? I'm not sure. You might have to sit around and discuss that. But, you know, bring as many people as you possibly can along for the journey and you guys will get there. Well, this sounds awesome. I know I am excited to see you at CS Plus. It's going to be a really good time. And I think that, you know, your message really will resonate with people, especially those who feel kind of stuck in a rut and they want to get, get things, change things up. Um, so we're really excited to have you. Me too. I appreciate it. This has been fantastic too. And, uh, you know, can't wait to see everybody at least uh, e-virtually, right? At least from a distance. But right. uh, I'm going to bring my best stuff. I'll, I'll be honored to do that. Well, I'll, I'll wear my Rolling Stones t-shirt at the Boom. conference. I love it. I love it. <laughs> we'll do it. I might have to bring up some Rolling Stones information now. That'd be great. Just for you, Kate. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And um, for everybody listening out there, make sure that you register for CS Plus so you can see Jim and uh, experience his uh, rock star message. Thank you for listening to this episode of Contracting Conversations from BSCAI. 
If you liked what you heard and you want to find out more or to listen to previous episodes, head over to bscai.org slash podcast. There you can also subscribe to our newsletter so you never miss industry news, updates, and great tips. Subscribe to Contracting Conversations on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and learn more about our community on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube.